Hi, everybody. This is Tony Kahn, the producer and director of Morning Stories from WGBH in Boston. Have you ever heard of 17-year locusts, bugs that live for 16 years underground eating roots until their final 17th year when they get to go above ground and mate? Well, we had a 17-year locust infestation not long ago, and it was covered mostly as a plague, a disaster, a nightmare for farmers. But what if you're not a farmer? What if you're a student of the insect? Well, you've been waiting 17 years for locusts to show up, and now you can finally study them by the truckload. Wouldn't you be happy? Or how about cultures that maybe eat insects that see uh, locusts as a source of protein? And what about the locusts themselves? I, I realize they don't blog, but if they could, you might find a real difference of opinion depending upon where that locust was in the swarm, at the beginning or toward the end when there's nothing left to eat. Well, we've got another point of view to add. It comes from our friend Ethan Herberman, who is a part reporter, part humanist, and a former teenager. We call his encounter with the plague of locusts, we were just 17. I was standing in front of our house, by the car, calling to my father by the front door. I said I wanted the keys. Truth is, though, I was a little nervous, because that would mean going solo onto major streets, maybe even parallel park. But everyone seemed to think I could drive now, and my father tossed me the keys across the front yard. Oh, what the... They never made it. About halfway through their flight, they hit something, and then both fell straight down to the front walk. My father and I hurried over. No question what the something was. A chubby, inch-long insect called a 17-year cicada. So many of them had come crawling out of the ground, we'd seen them on the news. Each spent 16 years and 11 months underground, feeding on roots, before a final month above ground, mating in trees. And in the case of the males, singing, loudly. But not this one. The one at our feet, buzzing, flailing, swiveling its head, was already doing the doomed insect wiggle. And I could feel not only its pain, but its rage. 16 years and 11 months of roots, and now this? What a cheat! But wait, I was and am an unabashed insect bigot, so why the empathy? Because it buzzed, I knew it was a male, like me, and its age, 17, same as mine. And its dominant activity besides meeting females? Playing loud music. I think it was at this point I asked my father about calling a vet. But no, you do not take insects to the vet. You squish them, mercifully. Afterwards, I do remember getting in the car and feeling especially vulnerable. Though, of course, nothing happened. That spring, I roamed, chased females, kept the music loud, while all around me teenage humans and teenage cicadas pursued their remarkably similar courses. Abominable music. Abdominal music. Same difference. Sorry, I'll do it again. I'm sorry. That was Ethan Herberman with today's morning story. We were just 17. He sounds like the kind of beginning driver I was, Gary. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Gary Mott, by the way, in case you don't recognize this familiar voice. Takes me back to uh, my days working at the car wash. Oh, my God, and, another job you had. <laughs> uh, well, I was uh, responsible for vacuuming out the cars. I was sort of put in the driver's seat new driver behind the, the wheel of a like a Lamborghini. You had to drive them out. Well, yeah, you, you vacuumed, right. and then and you, then you drove, as huh? a 
customer service rep, <laughs> you drove it around to the wash rack. Right. You know, the first time I had driven a standard. So the customer gets out of the car, you know, hands me a tip, and I get behind the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> and the engine races, and I'm jerking and herking. And so, anyway, made me think of Ethan. I don't know about individual insects, but insects as a group are definitely have an intelligence. Because this actually happened in Mexico. We were attacked by a, a bunch of red ants that came pouring out of the wall one night into my bedroom. And it looked like an attack. We beat them back. We killed as many as we could. And we covered the hole that they had come through in cement. And about half an hour later, there was a second attack from a different hole. Wow. Which I don't think I survived. Now, was this, <laughs> was this before or after checking for the dead scorpions in the, uh, the light fixture? After. My father is sort of an amateur etymologist. Mm -hmm. To follow in his footsteps, I entered the insect collection contest in mm -hmm. fourth grade which I won a, a blue ribbon for. What was the prize insect in your collection? I had several large dragonflies yeah. in my collection, and they were all professionally mounted and chloroformed yeah. and labeled. Not in that order, right? You chloroform them first, <laughs> and then you mount them? I had to That's learn it. that. Well, yeah. Listen, as long as we're on the subject of science, we want to acquaint you with three other people who are passionate scientists. Their names are Pamela Gay, Travis Searle, and Aaron Price. They came into our little studio here and did us the honor of beginning their podcast for us. Space, the final frontier. These are the podcasts of Slacker Astronomy. It's more or less mission to have fun, to explore strange new ideas, seek out new astronomy stories, and read them. <laughs> <laughs> I was having trouble holding it in. Space! <laughs> Lem between the Let's try that again. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. And then, of course, once everybody recovered, we had a little conversation. It's a pleasure to welcome you and to share so much oxygen with so many people. You know, this little, <laughs> a small room. Well, actually, so little oxygen with so many people. Well, we're, we're glad to be here. What is it that you would be looking forward to in astronomy that you could say, I lived long enough to be part of this? What amazes me is just how quickly the field is evolving. Yeah. I'm, I'm just 31, and uh, my, my senior year of high school, I remember the guy I was working for came flying into the little closet I was working in, uh, telling me that they had just found a planet around a pulsar. And that was the first time anyone had found anything orbiting around something other than the sun. Now we have over 100 planets known to be orbiting other suns. And we took the first picture of one last week. Yeah. When I was an undergraduate, dark energy was not a concept anyone was even thinking about. Then just a few years ago, while right. I was in graduate yeah. school, a couple of different teams working completely separately discovered, oh my gosh, the universe is accelerating itself apart. Mm. It does seem to me that yeah. almost every week there's some, something new that's being found through some tool that astronomy has it didn't have before. There's so much being discovered every day. That, that it's overwhelming and you don't know what to cover. And right. I wonder if some of it is that the media just kind of gets 
it's too much work to, oh, how are we going to explain this? Yeah. And then there's so much else going on into the, in the world that has to get put into the media as well. There's there's the if it bleeds, it leads problem. And what would that be in astronomy? What, well, and that's the thing is we astronomy. don't bleed very much. Uh, if, yeah, if there was an asteroid stuff. headed right. at the Earth, mm-hmm. I think we could make it to the top of the news hour. They don't mm-hmm. even have to head to the Earth. They just have to get close enough. For yeah, but how long can <laughs> you keep be... that up? Come on. <laughs> you know, oh, here we missed another one. Oh, oh yeah. yawn. Those, when are you going to get a collision for us? <laughs> yeah, so so how do we make ourselves interesting in a universe fixated with the Michael Jackson trial? Well, that's where Slack astronomy comes in. Yeah. Right. I'm wondering what you're learning about your audience. I mean, what is it that astronomy means to them? In my opinion, astronomy is a great way to entertain and also, you know, educate people on imagination and critical thinking. Mm-hmm. Astronomy is a gateway drug sure. to critical thinking. <laughs> One of the things about astronomy is it really gives you a perspective on... Um, just how alone we are in our little corner of the universe and just how non-special we may be. Did you enter astronomy to deal with this feeling of how small you were, or did you try to find an answer to that maybe not being the case? Emotionally, what drove you? It certainly takes a certain type of a personality to be okay with going out and sitting on top of a mountain by yourself for a couple weeks at a time, and you're starting your work day as everyone's going to bed, and then you're just alone on top of a mountain looking up, and it's like you're falling into the sky. Hmm. And so you have to be okay with being alone with yourself. And it it gives you a lot of time to think about life, the universe, and everything. Just sitting there in absolute silence listening to the crickets. And and you get to know yourself pretty well. Astronomy is a field where there is always some question that someone can work on that no one else is working on because there's just not enough people and not enough time to pursue all the interesting questions that people are asking. And so as uh, night falls across the planet and the stars begin to kindle in their gazillions, there's time only for us to raise our eyes to the heavens in thanks and gratitude to Ipswich, a leader in file transfer software and the sponsors for this podcast pretty much since the the beginning of time, ipswitch.com. Our website, wgbh.org slash morningstories, mm-hmm. and send us your stories. And no matter what or where you are, make sure to join us next Friday. We'll be here. Take care.